Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., on Tuesday, May the 14th, my colleague Mark Joseph Stern and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. So we're getting inside this Acura TLX. We're going to go to a cemetery because on a the coldest, most horrible day of the year, you definitely want to go to a cemetery. People are dead and cold and in the graves, but it's not about mourning the dead, it's about celebrating really cool graveyards. All right, so I'm joined here by Josh Levine. You might know him best as the host of uh, Hang Up and Listen, the Slate podcast. He's also the managing editor of Slate. Is that right? Executive editor. He's also the executive editor of Slate. And we got some clickety-click, which is the, uh, what do you call it, hazard lights. There they are. Ah. Okay, so uh, we're going to Greenwood Cemetery. That was your suggestion, Mike. I'm an out-of-towner. I've lived in D.C. for 12 years, come up to New York occasionally, um, but I've not been to this cemetery. Is this a place where you take all of your... Dates? Your dates, your friends, your loved ones. I do. Of course, I'm, uh, as, as you know, a committed goth. And so seances go on here. So this is a cemetery. This is, this is a, an historic cemetery. And I don't know if... You're an and historic person. You, I think you, so. I think that that's you switch a, it. Up? I think that's an anachronism, and I think that when you're talking about people who died in you know the 1860s, that's the proper way to honor them. We got a lot of Civil War figures in this cemetery. You've got uh, I think three or four people who are credited as being the father of baseball <laughs> in this cemetery. Yeah. Uh, there's one that I'm just really excited for, for you to say. Can we do like a Maury Povich? kind of DNA test where we can determine who actually is the father of baseball? Yes. The test results are back. You're the father of squash. No! No! <laughs> um, just quick 
first instinct. Quick takes. Hot quick takes. Take. Go ahead. Give me a quick take. Just rank the boroughs just instantly. Go. Okay. The easiest, we start off with Staten Island last. That is the baseline borough. That is the bottom borough. I can't, I, and you got to put Bronx second to last. Sorry. A little bit of resurgence stuff to talk about. Like, everyone from Staten Island would disagree. Everyone from Bronx would disagree. I think there are more people in the Bronx than Bronx wins. You got to... I'd put Manhattan first. You know, I, I guess there's some... I, I would go with it this way. There's some debate. There would be some debate between Manhattan and Brooklyn now. Like, you definitely get some Brooklyn people saying, put Brooklyn first. But I also would say there would be some debate between Brooklyn and Queens, right? You would naturally say, all right, Manhattan's first, and what's the debate between Brooklyn and Queens? But now, if I say Manhattan's first, I'm sure a bunch of people would say, no, 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 Brooklyn's first. That alone tells me Queens is definitely third. Like, Queens is definitely third. It's, quote, not in the conversation as, as top borough. Oh, you got your Queens aficionados. You got your melting pots of the world. You got your, you know, not one but two Chinatown arguments. You know where else they have more than two Chinatowns? Josh? Where's that? China. So, I'm going to go Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, Staten Island. Well, it definitely feels like a point in New York history where someone, yeah. some ones would rank Brooklyn first. But do you think that that is still kind of a contrarian? Like, you would do that just because you want people to notice, like, oh, Josh put Brooklyn first. Look at, look at that guy. Exactly. I mean, if they're if they do if it does come down to a championship on neutral ground, possibly the state of Nebraska, Manhattan's gonna win. We are in Brooklyn now, and we are actually in a cemetery. I think site is Greenwood Cemetery. It looks beautiful. Look at those. What do you call those obelisks? Yeah, I think you do. Um, I am looking forward to meeting Kerberos, uh, who I believe is going to be part of the tour today. Is that the three-headed dog that guards Hades? It is, yeah. Excellent prayer. Yeah. I'm Jeff Richman. I'm the historian here at Greenwood Cemetery. So we're going to get our van and we'll go up on the hill. I think we're going to see uh, Charlie Ebbets and Henry Chadwick and maybe uh, one or two others. It's actually a nice sunny day, huh? Well, it's a sunny day. <laughs> not, not a nice day. <laughs> So, Jeff, how long have you been working here? Uh, I started working here part-time in uh, 2000 as the part-time historian. And then uh, in 2007, I started working here full-time as the historian. And I hear there might be a story about your uh, first visit here and something that happened during the visit. Yes, I, I came in here. I was all excited. I, I, I have been a collector my entire life. And so I originally collected baseball cards and then moved on to stereo views, those side-by-side views of, from the 1860s and 70s of mm-hmm. New York City, and was collecting those and kept coming across photographs of some place called Greenwood Cemetery, which was a very popular subject for photographers. And in 1987, I saw an ad to come in here, rare opportunity to photograph on the grounds, Uh, And I wanted to see the scenes that I knew from these 1860s and 1870 photographs. And I came in here and I was just amazed by the place and came back two days later. 
Uh, actually, the problem was I couldn't get out of here once I got in here, so they had locked the gates. Yeah, that's a problem for a lot of people in here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so uh, I had to climb through the gates and through the barbed wire that they had on the gates at the time because I had tickets for a Met game that evening and had to go pick my son up. So that was my first experience. And two days later, I came in here and uh, convinced the superintendent at the time that I needed a pass to allow me to come in here at my leisure and take photographs as I wished. And that kind of started my involvement with Greenwood Cemetery. So you see uh, Ebert's up there? Yeah. You see it? And you see the stones that people have left in, in the Jewish tradition, which, of course, Charlie Abbott's was not Jewish, but that's a tradition that has now spread. Uh, um, tell us who Charlie Abbott's was. Charlie Abbott's was a, an accountant and then worked his way up to the owner of the Brooklyn Robins, who became the Brooklyn Dodgers. And he, of course, Abbott's Field was the cutting-edge uh, technological advance uh, in Brooklyn, in a place that had been called Pigtown, uh, in opens up in 1913, and uh, Dodgers become beloved team of Brooklyn, New York. Now, compared to some of the other gravestones, pretty plain. Was he not as rich as some of the other uh, residents here? Uh, that could be. You know, some people wanted to be modest about their stones, even if they did have wealth. Uh, his is pretty modest here uh there's an interesting story associated with his funeral he dies uh in april of 1925 and for his funeral uh the his successor uh ed mckeever is here with his brother steve they had been uh builders and so Ebbets had gotten them ownership uh, partial ownership of the team so that they could build Ebbets field and so Ed McKeever is about to take over the Dodgers. The funeral is held here, and it is pouring rain. And McKeever gets sick and dies a week later. And that essentially destroys the Dodgers' prospects for a generation because the ownership that had been about to take over is destroyed. Is that uh, other owner buried here, too? Or is he off somewhere else? I think he's off somewhere else. He's like the William Henry Harrison of baseball owners. <laughs> Caught cold and bought it. Um, should we go see Henry Chadwick? Yeah. So here's Chadwick. Wonderful, wonderful monument. You can see the baseballs here. we got to get out. So if you'd like to get out and pay our respects. You won't believe this. This is great. So right now we are looking at a section of the cemetery, and if one row back, these aren't extremely tall monuments, but there's a prominent monument that looks different from any other monument I've ever seen, and you really have to know where to find it. It's not exactly buried part in the pun, but it's a row back, and on top of this pillar, stone pillar, is a round object, unless until you look very close. It's definitely a baseball. It definitely has seams. And on the sides of the monument are bases and a catcher's mask. And people have put about, looks like about a, you know, half dozen baseballs around the monument. This is amazing. Tell us about this, Jeff. 
Well, the Victorian symbolism of eternity was a globe, which has no beginning and no end, and so they did the wonderful variation on that with the globe with seams on it as a baseball. Uh, this is Henry Chadwick, the father of baseball. He invented the scoring system. So when you write 6 to 4 to 3 on your scorecard, you owe that to Henry Chadwick. He invented much of the terminology of baseball, and so it's a, a wonderful list. Assist, base hit, base on balls, cut off, chin music, fungo, whitewash, double play, era, goose egg, left on base, and single. Fungo? <laughs> fungo? I thought that was like, you know, made by the Whammo Corporation in the No, those are all Henry Chadwick creations. And he was an Englishman who loved um, okay. cricket, and he came and he found this new American sport, and it was in its early days, and they needed these phrases. And he was responsible for standardizing it and popularizing it, and he was uh, not just a statistician, but he wrote for a number of papers, and, you know, his uh, writings about the game gave it prominence, right. too. And he's the one who got box scores published right. in newspapers. And he also thought he abandoned cricket because he said baseball was the rapid pace yeah. at which Americans <laughs> liked to proceed. And so we're looking at the uh, monument now and it says father of baseball and there's a space between base and ball so that's how you know this is a really old guy. You see that father of baseball on his inscription here is in quotation marks because he was dubbed the father of baseball by none other than Theodore Roosevelt. And we do have four other men here at the cemetery who claim to have been the father of baseball also. So he was born in 1824, died in 1908. So I have have a question about the catcher's mask with the crossed baseball bats on the side. Is that original? Yes. That's been here since... um, 1908. And that the, uh, the monument went up immediately upon his death? Uh, Not immediately, actually. So Chadwick goes, the Dodgers and the Giants, I believe it's opening day in 1908, are playing each other. He has a stroke, lapses into a coma, comes out of it, and says, who won the game? (laughs) They tell him who won, and he dies shortly thereafter. They then schedule his funeral, and so Spaulding is involved in the monument. He's here, and he's another father of baseball, Spaulding? He's not here. Oh, okay. But Ebbets who we just saw is here, and he's involved in the uh, group funding this monument. And they schedule the funeral, and it's a rainy day. And so it is actually postponed due to rain, and they have it a few days later. They had a doubleheader two days later. (laughs) Now, Josh, I don't know if you noticed, look at the ground. Do you see what permanent markers there are? There's a base right there. (laughs) And there? And so typically you have corner markers. You see one right here in the adjoining lot, marking the bounds of the lot. Mm -hmm. But here the wonderful aspect is that the corner markers, including the lot number 32004, are granite-carved bases with the leather straps across in the style of the time, holding them down. Would you describe this as kind of a hidden gem of the cemetery, or is this something that people actually come and seek out and it's pretty well known? It is fairly well known. As you can see, the pilgrimage here, we have uh, eight baseballs on the ground here and one up top. And so people do come here. We rededicated this monument. We cleaned it a few years ago. And we had the baseball team from nearby Bishop Ford High School here to celebrate. It's a little difficult to see now, but we do have base paths carved 
between the granite bases here also. And so it's a wonderful tribute to the father of baseball, Henry Chadwick. Well, thank you, Jeff. That was amazing. It was. So we have an informal motto here at the cemetery, which is come visit while you still can leave. <laughs> and so keep that in mind, and you should come back. Right. <laughs> come visit while you leave, and, you know, if there's a Mets game at, you know, starting at 710, maybe make sure you leave before, uh, you know, visiting hours are closed. That's right, before they lock the gates on you, and you have to climb through the barbed wire. This podcast is brought to you by Acura and the all-new 2015 TLX luxury performance sedan. For decades, Acura has built performance sedans with unwavering purpose and passion. The all-new 2015 TLX represents more than the latest evolution. Rather, it's the clearest expression yet of Acura's performance philosophy. It's power and control brought into perfect balance. It's anticipating where the driver wants to go, changing the way wheels move and guide you. It's uncompromised design and in the name of unrestrained feeling, putting exhilaration front and center once again. It's that kind of thrill. Check out the all-new 2015 TLX at slash TLX, or better yet, experience the thrill for yourself and take a test drive at your local Acura dealer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.